Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Season 3, Episode 4 of the Umbrella Academy. Google Blitz may be over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. I'm Marissa Garza, and I am not alone for this revealing episode. I am joined by not another version of myself, but by the one and only that we know of, Mary Kwiatkowski. <laughs> Mary, how are you? Yes. Well, this podcast is paradox proof, so oh. I could be here with all versions of myself. Who would know? But thank you for taking care of that, you know, part of the podcast preparation. It's very important. You never want to have multiple versions of people around. It can get a bit hard. No, this would just be a very itchy podcast if that's the case. (laughs) This is true. This is true. So, yeah, we are here to cover, to continue our coverage of the Umbrella Academy Season 3. We're almost halfway through. Um... If you are just finding us, maybe you found us in one of the following feeds. You can find us in posherrecaps.com slash umbrella-academy.feed or slash super or slash binge. We are all over the place. And we are uh, joining you twice a week through the end of this month now. We are we are in July. I'm used to saying like for the rest of the month and through July, but no, we've made it to July. And we'd love to hear from you, too. So if you, if you would like to send us feedback, you can reach out directly to us. Uh, Mary's at Frail Mary on Twitter. I'm at MarsBars, M-A-R-Z-B-A-R-S. And or you can email us at super at posherrecaps.com. So, Mary, before we get into it and before we get into the spoiler part of our podcast, what would you think? 
On a rewatch, I liked this episode more than I did the first time around. I think that this is definitely an episode that works best on a rewatch. Like mm. after you've binged it and going back to it, there is a lot of hinting mm. at things that are <laughs> happening by the end. There's things that only really make sense on a rewatch. I mean, I guess they're foreshadowing, but it's hard to pick up on the foreshadowing the first time around. Mm-hmm. And there's, um, I, I find Allison to be more understandable on a rewatch. Ooh. I mean, I know that we've been really harsh on Allison so far this season, and we're probably going to get harsher. Don't get me wrong. There's more stuff coming. But I think I it fleshes out a little bit more of why she's being the way she is. I think uh, there's a specific scene in this episode that tries to do that. So we will probably talk about that as we go through the episode. Um, so that's interesting because that was one of my questions for you. Is like, has your your I, your vision of Allison changed on this rewatch? I still have a, I still find it hard and distracting from time to time, even on this re- rewatch. Congratulations on picking this out from the first time you watched it because I they all blend together for me. <laughs> like I don't know, I don't know what's going on when I watched this. I was like, oh yeah, I remember this, but I don't remember this specific episode for an episode um, named kugel blitz yeah no, no blitzing happening in this episode yeah well um, and not a lot of like there's talk of it but not a lot of action with it right yeah yes. there's a moment where klaus mentions it and everyone just kind of ignores him <laughs> which is like a theme that has happened many a time Classic Klaus. Classic Klaus. Classic Klaus. Uh, Well, before we get into it, I do want to remind everyone that these are spoiler-filled recaps. So we are talking about this episode, episode four, as people who have watched the entire series, because we are people who have watched the entire series. So if you have not done so and would like to come back and join the conversation or don't care to be spoiled, we invite you to join us at the time that works best for you if that means you have to stop and go watch the season and come back or just continue on we are glad to have you along for the ride so without further ado should we get into it let's get into it all right well if we remember from the last episode i it left off with uh I was finding out that Harlan is around. Harlan was the man on the bus with the headphones. And in this episode, we find out a lot more about Harlan's backstory. And the the episode actually opens up with a lot of scenes dealing with November 23rd, important date because that is the date of Kennedy's assassination in the year of 1963. Um, and so, or the 22nd, it's somewhere around there. It's real close. And so we find and we follow Sissy and Harlan as they are traveling around. You can see they are going from place to place. Sissy does have a girlfriend at one point. We see she's able to have some sort of life. But Harlan, along the route, cannot control his powers. He explodes some bunnies. He has some trouble at school. Uh, Mary, what were your takeaways from this part of the story? The bunny scene was really sad. <laughs> the bunny scene was really sad. Because that's also got to be traumatic. Like you exploded your present, which was a bunny, right in front of you. And, and the blood went everywhere on the cake and everything. And it looks like probably traumatized Sissy's girlfriend. So that was kind of sad. Uh 
yeah, it just, it was a montage of like, hey, remember how Harlan's life was kind of hard when he was living at the farm with his father? Yeah, it's still hard no matter where they move and no matter how many times they change their name. Although this did show the scene of them changing their names as well. Yeah, and they're like all over, right? Like they they end up in Florida. They end up they're they're all over the country, and for very short periods of time. Although we do find out later that this was like a hard life for Sissy, it was a freer life than she would have had on the farm, is what mm-hmm. Harlan says at one point. So you know, it's important to kind of keep that in mind, I guess. But it's very hard to watch from time to time. And the question is also, you know, not just for Sissy, but was this a harder life for Harlan? Yeah. Like, you know, I think that potentially had the Umbrella Academy never traveled back to the 60s. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to say, right? Like, what would have been the better outcome for him? Um, well, I think it's certainly the harder life now that he has powers. Uh, there's that. But if he had not ever had powers and him and his mom had been stuck at the farm would that have been better for them in the long run? I don't know. It's kind of like uh, there was a show earlier this year called Wheel of Time. Uh, and this is kind of like Wheel of Trauma. Like, which trauma would you like? Would you like right. the, uh, you know, I have suddenly have superpowers in a body that wasn't built for it? Or do you have the I'm on a farm with an abusive father and an unhappy mother who, because she can't live to be her fullest self? And no one really understands me as a kid because he had that going before, before he had the powers. So I don't know. That's, that's kind of a, and I think that's a question that Klaus asked himself at one point too, is like, who am I without all of this that has happened to me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, a lot of deep conversations and thoughts that are brought up in this episode. And that's something that we keep going back to, right? Like this is a, kind of silly superhero show some of the time and then some of the time it's very much about the trauma and about dealing with it overcoming it the effects of how trauma like the impact it's had on your life in the future comparing different pers- uh, different timelines or you know realities with like how things could have been different. Um, and I think that's also leads into a lot of why I feel for Allison that more this time of round is just really, I think it's kind of like trying to think of an example. It's like when you're, you're rushing, 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 and you're doing all these things. Maybe you're like signing up for all these activities and you're taking on all this work. And then all of a sudden you pause and it all catches up with you, right? Mm. You pull all these all nighters and all of a sudden you're like, okay, I am exhausted and I can't do this anymore. And I think that that's kind of what that's like for Allison. Like she spent all of these last, you know, several years with all this building up and now it's kind of crashing in around her. And in a lot of the same ways, that's, how Harlan's life has been, you know, he's on the move. Um, Mm -hmm. Unclear at what point in time he started speaking. I would assume relatively soon after uh, Vanya left because, um, I I don't know, I guess I was just assuming based on the fact that it looked like he was going to like a public school Mm -hmm. that probably he was speaking at that point. But um, it seems like that and the, and the, stress that was putting on their family of having to move around from place to place, presumably because of different actions that he had done or things, you know, that, that uh, he had done as a result of his powers 
um, it kind of all caught up to him eventually uh, in in one of the the last scenes we see, which is on October first, nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, yeah. That, that one of the last scenes within this montage. Yeah. Yes. So throughout the throughout the montage, Sissy is coughing from time to time, and we do see that the coughing, you know, gets worse, and Sissy ends up dying on October first, nineteen eighty nine. And this. Um, like triggers a big energy burst coming out of Harlan. Cause I mean, like who wasn't like, I thought it was a, it's kind of like a person, a per, not perfect because grief is many different things to many different people, but it was a great personification of grief and like what, what it can do when it happens right at the moment, it just like radiates out of a being. And we see that with, with Harlan and this like radiation and this energy goes everywhere. It like knocks over the doctors. It takes uh breaks, you know, equipment and bags of saline and all of this stuff. Very powerful energy uh, that goes everywhere. And um, we'll learn more about this event as, you know, as it goes on the first time it, it uh the first time i watched it i didn't i couldn't put two and two together but now i know that this is the moment where all of the moms were killed like this is the energy that reached out to everyone that except for those who birthed the sparrows but everyone who was attached to october 1st the story that we know of october 1st 1989 yeah and he's Harlan's going to have this conversation with Victor later about this same scene. We'll sort of see this scene again with a little more context and understand sort of why that's happening. It, it's so sad to think about like the, the pressure in this episode of like whose fault is this? Right. Because it's, is it Harlan's fault because he unleashed this power? Is it Victor's fault because he transferred some of that power? Is it Five's mm. fault for teleporting them all of this time? Is it uh, Victor's fault again for the reason why they had to teleport? Is it, I think that I'll come back to, it's Reggie's fault. Right? <laughs> it's Reggie's fault for not explaining the power to Victor as a child and letting them take the time to learn that and instead having them live a life that is completely different than, than who they actually are. Yeah. Well, one of the, some of the feedback that we got in the discord was from Todd, the librarian. And he said, I suspected Harlan was responsible for the mother's death before it was revealed. He was Harlan, but I figured it had to be someone else, but nope. In a roundabout way, Victor's once again, responsible for the apocalypse in a roundabout way. But it, your point about Reggie also stands, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It does keep coming back to Victor, which <laughs> is, is also hard because it's like, you don't want the, you, you could see how the family could take that out on them. Right. Like, okay, you're just more, more of a problem than you're worth. You keep destroying the world, but, or, or almost destroying the world. Um, yeah, uh, and, and some of the conversations that Victor and Harlan have. So throughout this episode, there's a lot of, you know, getting caught up on life between the two of them. This is where, you know, Harlan talks about Sissy's life and how hard it was for both of them, but how hard it was to have Harlan around. And Harlan confesses to Victor and says, like, hey, like, I needed you. Like, not even just for, like, 
how to like, I don't know, emotional support, but help me with this powers situation. Because he even says, you know, I wasn't born with these powers. I wasn't built to harness them. So they're harder for me to control. And that I think is a very, you know, relatable traumatic story in terms of I'm a kid and I need help. And somebody wasn't there to help me to, to deal with this confusing feeling, to deal with this confusing moment in my life. And to be able to say that to somebody later can be like a healing point, but that's what I took from, from their conversation there. It's interesting to think about that, right? Because this season is also built around like parenting the mistakes that Mm -hmm. parents made and how people want to potentially not make those mistakes in the future. You know, you're looking at the whole Diego and Stan situation Mm -hmm. or Klaus and Reggie this time around. And yeah, it's, it's, it's funny that like Victor wasn't Harlan's parent but was certainly a role model and and someone that he could have leaned on especially given the power i mean not that not that victor has any kind of knowledge or control exactly over his own powers but at least a little bit more it seems like than that harlan ever did and i was reading a lot online about how some people think that the reason or or part of the reason that harlan can't control a power it's sort of two things one is this idea that is a it was transferred to him, but he's not sort of meant right. for the power, right? Like the other, the other uh, children that we've seen have this power were specifically like created basically right. by Reggie in order to be strong enough for that. And then the other is of course the idea that um, Harlan being somewhere on the spectrum also contributes to not not being able to control the power as much for whatever reason. Mm. Um, and that's something that I've seen online, but I've also kind of seen that the other way, which is maybe that's also a reason why his power seems a lot more powerful. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's also something interesting that they don't explicitly say in the show, but there's a lot of conversation online about that. Well, and I think that it, that is the initial bond between Victor and Harlan is that Victor understands Harlan before the powers happen. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that is what Harlan is referring to when he says, I needed you, Victor, not like, teach me, go to superhero school. (laughs) Like, but you know, you saw me before remind me who I am, keep me grounded, that type of stuff as well. Um, we also get an explanation because Victor's like, okay, this is all cool and everything, but how'd you find me? <laughs> like, like, how did you, you find me? And he explains, um, as we talked a little bit about last episode, that he can feel people like him. Um, you know, he, he can feel vibrations. Vibrations are like a tuning fork in his head. And we hear after the fight that happened last episode, we hear his head kind of buzzing all of the time um, after that. So that he's kind of like a a little homing device for people with those powers, I guess. Yeah. Uh, And because of that is part of the reason why it seems like he murdered (laughs) Jamie and Alfonso, right? Because they, they also, it's like all of a sudden, not only are the Umbrella Academy in this hotel, but you've got the other seven come in and it's kind of overload. 
Um, plus, I think there was at least a little bit of Harlan knowing that one of those people was Victor and wanting to protect. Yeah, well, there was the whole like, uh, the power only went so far down onto the floor <laughs> type of weird yeah. thing. And I don't yeah. know if that's like a Harlan thing or like how that worked, but that's how it played out. So um, speaking of the fight, uh, I think we also had question last episode like what's going on with sloan where is sloan is sloan dead is she did she leave with the sparrows turns out she's not dead luther you know was able to to shield her from the energy she's a little bit banged up but uh of course the umbrella academy is like well here we're gonna hold you hostage now so um this turns out to be you know kind of a big confrontation between sloan and luther diego and allison in the bathroom of the of the hotel and allison ends up rumoring Sloan about the briefcase. And I don't know, to me, it looked like she wasn't just rumoring in the situation. Did you see it as a, as a pure rumor? I see. I wasn't sure what was happening because it seemed like Sloan was really trying to fight it. And maybe that also leads to the idea that people with powers are able to fight the rumoring. It somewhat, mm. but it, yeah, it seemed like she was trying to rumor, but also like torture. Is that kind of yeah. what you're thinking? Yeah. Well, and we know because we've watched the entire series that her power changes towards the end of mm -hmm. the season. And so I didn't know if this was either foreshadowing or if this was like the start of an evolution that was there that was just amplified by events later in the series. I just, it just was, it was different. It was different than what I had seen before because it did look like there was not only just rumoring, but pain trying to be inflicted mm -hmm. at the same time. Um, through the course of this, Allison, you know, basically, well, Sloan is like, I don't know where the where the bookcase is, or the the briefcase is. I don't know where the briefcase is. Allison's like, okay, fine, but you can't leave. Like Luther has to watch you all the time. And after this, like Allison goes over to a mirror and like breaks it and rumors herself to try yeah. and like make herself be happy. And this was like, whew, this was hard to watch. This was also something that I forgot about from my first, this is why you binge and then you rewatch, okay? <laughs> because I had completely forgotten about this scene. I knew that she broke the mirror and cut her hair, but I completely forgot that she tried to rumor herself. Um, I think it also explains why we have a bit of up and down, up and down when it comes to um, uh, Allison and Victor's relationship this season. Because it seemed like, hey, wait a second, they were just fighting and now they're not anymore and now they're going to fight again. And I think some of that might be because of this, but it also seems like the rumoring herself doesn't really work. Right. Because, like, I think the idea is that she would want it to work, but she also seemed to be fighting against it as she was trying to do it. And I think that's something maybe it's like your body just naturally rejecting <laughs> being manipulated that way. Um, so yeah, it, it was, it was hard to watch. It was interesting, but I, I think that this is something in general that's like with all of their powers, I feel like even at this point in the season, they're not all fully realized. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we see definite evolution with uh, Klaus in the season and I think, you know, we've seen in past seasons um, evolution with uh, Victor as well. So we know it can happen. Um, but I just thought it was a really interesting contrast to, 
last season, Allison, because last season, Allison was doing everything she could to avoid rumoring in mm-hmm. any way, shape or form. And this time she's rumoring herself. And, you know, I got to be quite honest, as someone who has dealt with uh, long term depression, if I could do that, that would be fantastic. But the problems are still there. <laughs> like, right. like they're, it, So maybe that is also the point is like, yeah, you can rumor yourself, but it's not going to work. Like it's not going to help unless you really deal with what's what's going that is the superpower <laughs> therapy everyone therapy is the superpower um yeah, yeah at the end of this she, she just wants victor to focus on the briefcase and it causes some tension there which we will see play out a little bit later so it was actually this moment where after she's rumored herself and she goes outside and talks to victor who's talking with harlan this is the moment where I feel like you start to see a lot more understand. Like, I think this was their attempt at least at planting seeds for mm. where I'm going to go, which is the like, Hey Victor, like we're, we're on the same page, right? Like, Oh my gosh, the whole briefcase thing. We, what's our new plan. We got to figure this out. And Victor kind of shoots Allison down and is like, you know what? Like your thing, not as important. My thing over here, more important right now. I have to deal with the Harlan situation. And I think that Allison could take that as like your problems, your thing with Claire. Like no one seems to care about that. Right. Mm. Like Diego just wants vengeance against the sparrows. Uh, Luther just wants to hang with Sloan and protect her. No one's really considering what Klaus wants. Five is <laughs> five is dealing with the actual problem, <laughs> but I guess they don't really use. And I mean, you could also say like Allison is just being self-centered here and not realizing that everyone else has their own things they're dealing with. But I think, yeah, in, in this moment, I think that that's part of why like Allison and Victor had this this bond over the last couple seasons. And I think Allison's feeling like Victor's like that Allison's no longer a top priority. I can I can see that, but I also can see that a fight just happened, and there's some stuff that Allison doesn't know that has happened. So I think like yeah. overall, like just talk to each other and say like, oh, why don't you think this is important now? Because I still see this as has like, never been their one. strong suit. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So because I see um, from Victor's perspective of having just learned this information, like, hey, Allison, like this is like we know what happens with my powers if Harlan has bigger more amplified powers this could be end of world stuff that i'm dealing with here so there will be no briefcase if this if we don't we don't deal with the situation so yes again communication comes down to that uh meanwhile luther and sloan are having conversations um basically because like sloan wants sloan thinks that luther set her up like, hey, did you use me as bait? Did you set me up? Because of, you know, it's interesting that, like, their experiences have flipped because in uh, episode two, I think, is when Luther was kidnapped by the sparrows and he was asking the same questions. Uh, but we hear, I think, some really great stuff out of Luther in these conversations. He's like, hey, look, we have to trust each other. Like, if this is going to work, if there's something here between us, we have to trust our, each other. And at the end of the day, we are not our families. And that, that is like, again, straight out of the trauma healing handbook is like figuring out that we are not our families and that you can go a different way and you can make a different choice. I thought I really enjoyed these conversations. <sighs> Look, I enjoyed the conversations. I enjoy that 
um tom gets to play fun luther kind of chill luther this season yeah but i have to uh, uh, agree with mars spars <laughs> yes not in, mars bars but mars spars mars spars in the discord whose biggest issue with the season and i agree is the luther and sloan stuff like it's i don't dislike the scenes as a whole. I think it's when I take a moment and step back and go, wait a second, where did this come from? This is all moving so fast. And Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think that's the stuff that is is hard for me is just like the complete disregard for the two seasons worth of Allison Luther. I know I keep mentioning this, but it's still bothering me, okay? Uh, and it keeps it keeps getting more and more that way the, the more and more the episodes um, go on. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's great that Luther said this. I think it's great that Luther mentioned, like, I'm going to be loyal to my family, but not over you. Like, I'm I'm not right. going to, um, I, you know, I'll do everything to protect my family, but I will not betray you because basically I think Luther isn't crying. You're part of my family. Like, that's, I want you to be um, at the top of that list as well. And 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 that's good, you know. It's good that they didn't immediately turn this into a like, no, you have to choose situation. Instead, it was a how can we make both things work? Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you on the on the speed of things. I think I just was like, okay, I guess this is it. <laughs> like, but I and it doesn't just got on board. To, yeah, like I. But I also didn't see. I mean, we do have that one scene in later on in the series where Allison is like, what is happening? here um and it's not great but yeah we'll, there's we'll really like no acknowledgement by allison that is bothering her either so i think that's right and and like i want to be clear i'm not trying to be like luther you need to pine for allison forever because i mm -hmm. think it's kind of like he did that he did it for two seasons but it, I think it's just so sudden after the end of the previous season where we never really got the wrap up of their relationship. Um, and I mean, that was probably because they weren't 100 percent sure how they were going to move forward with season three. Maybe at yeah. the time they thought that they would still explore that. But it turned out the way it did. So it's it's hard <laughs> to sort of retrofit some of these things. Yeah, no, I just was trying to see if um, any of that could go into the Allison equation. Like in terms of her heel turn for lack of a better maybe you know. i mean i think at the very least she doesn't have a person who's like i think old luther who's pining after her would have been like checking up on her this whole time and that would have been his focus and she doesn't have someone who's sort of unilaterally on her side right right uh luther also then comes up with a plan of like hey let's loot Let's use Sloane as an olive branch with the sparrows. Like, this will be great. We'll have somebody inside. Uh, people aren't buying it. <laughs> um, Victor kind of buys it. Allison is like, no way. Like, this is dumb. And she's like, you can do what you want at the end of it. Like, I think this is just like another thing that gets her into that space of, you know, whatever space she's in this episode. And they... Uh, that's their plan. It's it's an okay plan. I don't know. It, they they have a family meeting about it. 
Any thoughts on the plan? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think it's funny that Victor is like the main one on board with the nonviolent solutions, considering they're the one with the most powers. Yeah, I always think that's kind of funny. Um, but I think at this point, they also, you know, the 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 Umbrella Academy is not pretending to have like a hierarchy. Like Five's right. not here, so there's no one who can really make these decisions. And it seems like they they don't really have any other plans. So I guess they're just gonna kind of go with it. You know, that's yeah. kind of how it is. But. Um, cool. Do we want to take a quick break before we oh. get to the Sparrow side of thing? Sure. Yep, we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, forward prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. Well, speaking of the other side of the coin, we over at the Sparrow Academy, we, we only got a couple of scenes here. So we've got Faye um, being like super mad at Ben about the whole, the way everything went down and more conversation about like why Ben is not a great number one. And Faye is like surprised that she's being like a you know, promoted in some way. But there's definitely some sibling rivalry sibling rivalry between the two yeah i (laughs) i think it's funny that they're like uh she's like yeah the the main reason that whole thing went down was because you had a bad plan because you were a horrible number one he's like no you know what the problem is you're a horrible number two and it's like okay hey that has you just dodged the question by throwing the insult right back at her like come on ben do do better but yeah yeah, it seems like uh, th- these scenes mostly serve to hint that there was, you know, more about the the Ben being previously number one before he was demoted, 
And which I think on my first watch, I thought weirdly that it was like Marcus had been temporarily de- demoted and Ben got a chance, but then they gave it back to Marcus. But I think it was actually like Ben was the original number one. And then Reggie switched that. And I think it's interesting mostly just because of the idea of like, when when was this? Was this recently? Was this years ago? Because it seems like they don't really take whatever Reggie says right now like they don't really care what he says they've been you know drugging him as we've seen so clearly the demotion probably happened at a time when they were listening to him and so how long ago was that like the the dynamic among the sparrows is still very interesting because they they say they're so loyal but then they don't care at all that marcus is gone or at least (laughs) like the biggest thing i can draw like um a similarity to is like um the umbrella academy is like is like a family and the sparrows are like a corporation like i just i think that's that's the two different worlds that they're living in yeah it is it is a lot like that but it's just it's just weird that we're getting that we're not getting the whole picture but again like these are a bunch of new characters they've added into this season they're not the main characters they want to make the Umbrella Academy is still the central plot, so we're not going to get a whole lot of information about them because I think the idea is in the long run. It doesn't really matter. It's not part of, you know, the (laughs) if the if the world collapses, they're going to be left in the dust. I do think Ben stuff matters. I think the Ben stuff matters no matter what what academy he's part of. But right, because Ben is a character we at least know as well. Well, and he shows up. There's the I don't know where is who which Ben is at the end. I have no idea. Don't know. Um, they also go in to tell Reggie about Jamie and Alfonso, and they're um, they're just kind of like nonchalant about it, kind of. And Reggie's response is like he's definitely taken aback and just kind of like, well, what are we going to do about it? So I think this is also foreshadowing. I think that this is Reggie realizing because Reggie's been awakened, right? This is woke Reggie now. And the last we heard from Reggie, he was falling asleep, whispering the word oblivion. So I think Reggie is like back on track with the oblivion plan. The oblivion plan is his plan from the start. And he's only sort of forgotten about it while he's been drugged. Or at least it's not been top of mind. Now that he's awake and he's thinking about Plan Oblivion again and realizing there's no longer seven of them, I think he's his gears are turning towards, hmm, I need to start maybe working with these Umbrella Academy folks because I need to get seven and right now I've only got four or yeah. three potentially because I think at this point in time, Ben and Faye think that Sloan is dead. Right. Yeah. No, I think you're onto something there. Um, Ben's response to the whole thing, though, is like, hey, look, we have to get Harlan because we need to avenge the death of our brethren. And this is his plan. So Luther wants to use Sloan as an olive branch and Ben wants to get Harlan, which leads to a meetup in an alley somewhere (laughs) between Luther and Victor on the Umbrella Academy side and then Ben and Faye on the Sparrow side. And Sloane is also there. And she is given up as the olive branch to go over there. And Victor's like, okay, well, then that that's it. That closes it. We're done. Ben's like, not so fast. Not so fast. 
we want Harlan or else. And then he like walks away. And I'm like, Ben, here's the thing. Your threats don't really mean anything. Like, I, I know that he thinks he's being all like fancy schmancy about it. But like, I don't know what he was. If I were like Luther and Victor take a step back and they look at each other. And I'm like, if I were there, I, I don't know if I could keep in a laugh. I just think it's funny. Okay. This is the equivalent of like. Somebody steals your money. And then they're like, hey, as a peace offering, I'll give you 10 bucks back. And then the people who got stolen from are like, you better give it all back or else. And it's like, what do you mean? Or like, they'll just steal your money again. Like the people with all, you're threatening the people with all the power. Like Harlan is on their side. You want Harlan. They have no reason to give you Harlan because Harlan's also the one like all the destruction in the first place and what are the like what threat do you possibly hold if you come at them again they've still got harlan right like the only thing that would and they're down too they're down too right the only thing that would work in this scenario is if ben and Faye somehow catch harlan without like the help of the umbrella like the umbrella academy is not going to willingly give away their secret weapon basically yeah it was very like okay <laughs> that's kind of like I was like, all right, whatever you want to do there, Ben. Um, but that kind of wraps up the Harlan fight aftermath. Was there anything that we hadn't talked about regarding that that you wanted to bring up? No, that was pretty much it from that section, I think. Okay. Well, uh, another big thing that was going on in this episode was the adventures of Five and Lila. Last time we saw them, they had arrived in the Snowy Commission commission building but they had not yet gone in so that when they go in the whole building's like falling apart and um now knowing what we know i was like that's time literally collapsing i was like oh my gosh wow that's happening um they have you know they go out to explore five finds a video of herb good old herb i love herb explaining that the universe is collapsing and he's like worried about everyone and then it kind of cuts out and Lila finds the manual, like, that explains all of the things. And it says, in case of a grandfather paradox, the founder will be in the operations bunker. Yeah, the founder and all, what they say? Like, like board or, like, personnel essential personnel. Yeah. 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 So they're like, okay, well, we got to find the operations bunker. Um, which they do. <laughs> and... Uh, I don't know. This is like when my mind starts hurting, right? Like this is very, if you haven't seen it, go watch Tenet. It's very Tenet in some ways. I will also throw out Russian Doll season two. If you would would like to get another look at like a grand, in this case, it's a grandmother paradox, not a grandfather paradox, but same concept. And like not exactly the same, but kind of also reminded me of the scene in the Matrix where they like go talk to like the, the dude who's like the commander of the Matrix. I don't. Okay, look, I'm not. Good. I'm gonna mess up my Matrix Morpheus? thing. But the guy with, the guy with all the no, the guy with all the computers. Oh, the architect. Like, yeah. That okay. Yeah. Same yeah. founder, architect, same thing, right? <laughs> I don't know. Yes. It, it, yeah. Gave me similar vibes. Yeah, we are like they go through all this stuff. They have a conversation along the way, basically like. It wasn't that rememberable because I can't remember it. Well, but there was a key part in this conversation. Did you catch it before we get to the um, before we get to the bunker? Yes. What was it? 
So I think there was some foreshadowing in here that uh, of Lila's pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a part where they're talking and I can't remember exactly what they say, but something along the lines of like, uh, something about five telling Lila like, oh, you don't. I can't exactly what I can't remember exactly what he says, but it's basically along the lines of like, oh, yeah, thank goodness you don't have to like raise a family. It's not that, but it's like something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah, I can't, yeah. it's not exactly. Oh, no, he says something about Lila like not being, um, because she's like, oh, she's basically saying the same thing that everyone says to him, which is like, oh, you just, you're chasing chaos and you love the apocalypse, whatever. And he's like, I don't, you know, everyone needs to stop saying that. Like, I hate this. Like, I just want to retire. And she's like, no, you don't want to retire. Your life would be so boring. And he's like, yeah, I guess we're kind of the same because like, you don't want domestic bliss and like a simple life. Right. And I think that's supposed to be like, maybe she does want that. Or maybe she's thinking she might need that. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And they get up to the bunker, and before they get in the bunker, uh, well, first of all, there are many flatulence, many as in, like, two flatulence, and then um, five is itching. So he's experiencing psychosis. So there's, like, foreshadowing that we are going to find another version of five, but I was not expecting to see this version of five. Side note. Yeah. Wonder why... Or maybe we don't know if Lila's mom was also destroyed yeah, by Harlan. Well, well, in this timeline? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm Good wondering question. why it was just the Umbrella Academy, right? Oh, well, like, there I, were definitely Harlan fewer people Lila. that... Well, there were definitely fewer people that had... That birthed children right. with power. So I think it's possible so that it's her possible. mom could have been one of them. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Agreed. Yeah, so they go into the operations bunker, and they're sort of like a chill kind of setup, but then there's like a big... Like a tube like a with tube. a body in it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, like old five. Thing. It's like super old man five hanging out, just like, you know, there. And this is where five realizes that he's the founder. <laughs> Explain to be- this to me. Like, how does this make sense? I mean, it doesn't. It just... It, it has not yet made sense to me, but five apparently founded the commission. So he is in the operation or he was essential personnel. Um, but I'm guessing he's the founder. He's- this doesn't make any sense. When could this have happened based on like the timeline that we know of five? There's no way there's no space for this, for him to have also off shot somewhere, gone traveled back. Unless time this is a clone. Unless there was a clone. I don't get it. Maybe there's a clone. Or this is some season four BS that we haven't gotten to yet that he maybe at some point in that time realizes he needs to go back in time. And I don't know. I feel like I need to watch some videos on this. My biggest biggest idea here is that founder five realized that he having another version of of himself might be helpful and may have carbon, like carbon copied himself and like said, in case break glass in case of emergency and did that i don't know but that was but my, when? my thing I yeah i have this. no idea that i have that i have no clue on i don't I'm i would need to map it out i need a, a big like uh charlie day board behind me to figure that one yeah out. yeah i gotta figure that out <laughs> uh, 
Well, we see uh, Five is the founder. He, the, this is where we find out that the bunker is psychosis free because um, Five has stopped itching. So uh, he's allowed to be there and not like have any danger against himself. And this is where founder Yeah, Five, which is also why it's not crumbling, by the way, because it's paradox. That room. Yes, 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 exactly. Now, why um, could Five have not just created the whole of the commission to be paradox proof? Resources are limited. There was a uh-huh. budget crisis sure. that year. Sure. He couldn't get it past past the committee. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is where Founder 5 explains what the Kugelblitz is. It's like a black hole of, you know, time. Time is collapsing on itself. And 5 is like, okay, well, what do we do? Like, young 5, are like, R5, I don't know, is saying, like, what do I do? And Founder 5 says, don't save the world. <laughs> and then he dies. As of the end of season three, does this make any more sense? The whole don't save the world thing. I mean, like, do you, are you asking me if five didn't save the world? I don't think five can stop himself from saving the world. I guess what I'm saying is the only way that this five. Okay. What I'm saying is (laughs) by the end of the season, Uh five does try to save the world. Yes. He does try to go along with the Hotel Oblivion plan and try to save the world. Yes. I guess. Now, I guess the implication is maybe that he's not saving the world, but he's creating Reggie World or whatever uh, that's more dangerous somehow, that there's issues with this. Somehow this is worse. The only thing I can think of is that the only way for me to make this make sense is that the commission was founded way far in the future by the five that does save the world. And now this, but but it's so much worse in this future that he's trying to tell this younger five, don't save the world. Oh, like this is like a message from his future self, like yeah, type of thing. Yeah, yes. I mean, that works. Like maybe like in Reggie world, he forms the commission in Reggie world and it goes through yeah, time. I, but like, I, I think that's I what feel I'm like- to choose because otherwise how would this five know anything about like why would he know that saving the world would be bad and also based on the end of this season was saving the world bad uh well five thought he was saving the world and he wasn't he was collapsing the world and then um also they have no powers in this at the end of the world this time in the new world so my guess is they are in a totally different universe this is not the same timeline in any way, shape, or form. So then I can't make it make sense in my brain. I don't know though. Like I don't know. Yeah. That's the that's the fun of television. We gotta watch. We gotta find out. But uh, I'm gonna have to make another season because otherwise I'm gonna be st- like. This is why when people say like that they're happy that this could be the end, I'm like, no, I'm not because I still <laughs> have too many questions and I need to uh-uh. know what Christopher is and how he's a cube. That was my Christopher impression. Was it? I didn't know. (laughs) Oh, that was pretty good. That last one. Yeah, that was good. Everybody send us clips of your Christopher impressions. (laughs) Christopher impressions. (laughs) Anyway, so Founder 5, he dies. His little, like, the tube ejects the body. and um, But not, like, in a violent way. I don't. It's just, like, in a regular way. I guess. Was, did he do that intentionally? Like, I was confused also there. I was like, did Lila do that? Did Five do I that? I think Lila did, ended up doing that. Did, but is caused, that what killed him? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I might have to go back and rewatch that part. Um, this Five, like, our Five notices that um, 
Founder Five has a tattoo on him, and he just like straight up cuts it off of yeah. Founder Five and takes it with him. And I thought that was really weird and creepy. Both times watching this, I had to close my eyes during that part. That's like, gross. Oh. Not a fan. So basically, long story short, the TLDR on the commission is that Five founded the commission. Lila might be pregnant, and uh, the Kuka Blitz is happening. Time is collapsing on itself. Don't save the world. Those right. are, that, that's what we got out of of that. Our five, young five, little five. He's he's very angry about the whole his self not telling him how to save the world part. Yes, he's yeah. like, I've been doing all this work, and you're telling me it's all for nothing. What the heck have I been doing for the past twenty eight days? Yeah, he just wants to retire, yo. That's all he wants. Meanwhile, back at the hotel, uh, I think this was a fantastic pairing. I am not very happy with how it ended. I mean, I am, but like I wasn't on first watch. I was like, oh my gosh, how could they do that? Um, Between Klaus and Stan. So Diego, again, this I do have to say is solid parenting by Diego. He's like, look, you made a mess. You're going to pay this man back. You're going to get the list of rooms that need to be cleaned and you can go ahead and clean them and you could do so with Uncle Klaus. <laughs> and yeah. I, I thought it was fun. I don't know why Klaus went along with this. I guess he just has literally nothing else to do. Yeah, he's just like, okay, whatevs, I guess. But he's also not happy about it. So, yeah, <laughs> they're hanging out. So they're cleaning in. And Klaus is like, talking to himself sort of and talking to to Stan and they're kind of he's kind of discovering like that he might have some um uh I can't remember what they what, what they were calling it but like it was like basic, a diagnosis of some sort yeah yeah Stan was basically di- diagnosing him wait no di- diagnosing him him <laughs> um because they were at, they had like a similar sort of streak of acting out based on potential uh, history with their fathers and or Stan's lack of a father figure. And uh, it was kind of it's kind of a cute scene, just like Klaus talking to himself and being like, this all makes sense now. I mean, I guess I can't change it, but it's nice to put a name to it. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, that was pretty cute. Um, plus, they do the whole like. It seems like the person babysitting you isn't catching on to what you're doing. But then at the end of the scene, he's like, hey, put all that stuff back. That you're oh, stealing. yeah. Stan was totally stealing throughout this entire time. Um, but I also was really impressed in a weird way with like Stan's deep knowledge of stuff. Like he yeah. knew a lot of stuff. So I, I became more curious of Stan as a character as a whole. And I wonder if we'll learn more about him if there is a season four. Just like how did he know about all this stuff? Like how did he... How do you pick that up? I don't know. That was just some very deep, deep cuts on his part. Yeah. I like this scene. I mean, I'm always going to like anything with Klaus and they were hanging out and having a good time. Um, And then they find a room that is sort of fancy looking and like the keyhole is a white Buffalo and um, Klaus is going to pick the lock and they they go into yeah. this room and it's it's pretty cool. Um, now, what is a pachinko machine? Is that a real thing? It's like, have you ever watched Prices Right? Like well, that's Plinko, Plinko. but I think it's like the same, the same type thing? of thing. Yeah. Um, I well, but I don't know. We could probably Google it. Um, I'm it up. But it, what it's I found a type interesting... of mechanical game or originating in Japan that's used as a form of arcade game. Okay, cool. 
Yeah, but how does Stan thing. know what it is? Like he like so excited know. about it. I was like, oh my gosh. See again, I'm like, who are you, Stan? <laughs> like, what Stan, is has, Stan has much knowledge. He does. He does. I thought yeah. it was interesting that Klaus was like really drawn to this room. Like he was like, it's not on the list, but he really wanted to get in there. And I don't know if that was like because of his spiritual senses or because he saw like the white buffalo at, at Reggie's office or how that all came into play but it definitely he he klaus is the one who wanted to go in this room yeah it it seems like he's sort of uh, by the end of the scene he maybe puts the two and two together about the white buffalo but at the beginning he's like Hmm, intriguing white buffalo suite what is this about um but yeah they're they're having a chat and sort of right at the moment when klaus is like noticing the stuffed buffalo and putting it together stan accidentally shoots and kills him with a whaling spear yeah like classic. stan picks up the yeah, classic <laughs> classic for like i think it reminded me of looney tunes that's where yeah like yeah, that's where we're getting it um but like the second Stan picks up the spear, I'm like, oh no, oh no, this is not going to be good. And then it's like legit goes like straight through Klaus. Klaus falls down. We see a lot of blood on the white bear skin, some sort of skin uh, rug and or shag carpeting of some sort. Uh, and he he appears to be dead at the end of this episode. And again, first watch, not happy. Uh, this watch no, was, was much not. easier to deal with. It was it was worse the first watch because after just having Jamie and Alfonso die, I was like, maybe this is one of those shows where they're okay killing anybody, and I'm not happy about it. But we're in luck. It was it was just it's just a little temporary yeah. kill, temp, yeah. temp kill. And then at the end of the episode, um, this is where Victor finds out that Harlan had killed their moms. Harlan was listening to some tapes and hear some noises. This was like the the shooting of the spear and the, the Klaus falling and all of that stuff. He hears some noises. So he goes out to explore and he finds these articles and he's not happy that Victor has these articles. And this is where I think like Victor could kind of see what was happening like through yeah, like i don't know like if this was, was like an expansion of his powers it seemed I don't... like he was like having a memory and like showing it to victor he yeah was like, here victor experience this with me because after that happened victor's like wait you killed our moms yeah yeah i thought it was i was like what's happening is she is or is he gene graying her him i was like yeah. what's happening what's happening um but yes at the end victor knows that harlan killed their moms and now this is like a secret that victor has to carry around for a while and we will see the impact of that for sure coming up well it's definitely making allegiances a little more tricky for sure um and it's also an interesting scene because it seems like Harlan is very much aware of what he did, even though presumably these deaths happened all over the place. And, you know, like, I guess he's somehow on the day that his mom died, he was able to like, I I don't know if it was, I'm sure it wasn't intentional, intentional, but somehow like target these people and then also know about it. So when he saw the clippings, I think he was freaking out and was like, Oh my gosh, like maybe they're on to me. Like they, like, is that is my past coming back to haunt me? That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a moment. 
Um, any other things we want to talk about? There was one scene that uh, kind of, to me, seemed out of, like, it could have been in any episode, but I thought it was, like, an important, like, um, conversation to be had by the by these two characters. I'm referring to Diego and Allison going to the, what I put in my notes, racist bar, and uh, starting a fight there, there. And in their conversation, um, Diego refers like, Hey, Allison, you could talk to me. You know, people tell me their problems all the time. I'm Dr. Fuego. Like you can, you can tell me things. And this is like, no one calls you that. Yeah. Like, like, but no. they should. It's a really good name. <laughs> Allison then, you know, talks about having to, you know, kind of relive what she went through in 1960s Dallas as a black woman and how that impacts her, experience and how Diego being Latino is like one of the only people within their group that can really understand what that's like. And I thought that was like twofold again, audience service to us to show, you know, like, Hey, this is taken into consideration into these um, characters and, you know, people in your lives experience. But also um, do you think this was, like helping us try to understand Allison a little bit more. I think it was in that they were trying to be, they were trying to basically convey not only does she have the trauma from being a superhero, traveling through time, dealing with all the loss, but also she experienced something very real that a lot of people, particularly her siblings didn't experience or probably wouldn't be able to understand based on, her time in Dallas that they didn't have. Um, And so I I liked that part of the conversation and I felt like it was um, good that we're kind of finally talking about it because it really seems like it is a little bit of a retrofit, but it seemed like in all of season two, even though that was Allison's plot line, all of any time that was brought up by the other siblings, they're like, "Oh yeah, Allison's uh, trying to work on the civil rights issues," but they weren't it, like, "Wow, Allison, like this is really hard for you during this." Yeah, time. Like, there wasn't, it wasn't really like, any kind of that. Not it was like uh, my experience. It, there was no my experience is different. It, there was acknowledge of like we're all having different experiences, but it right. wasn't like, "Hey, Allison, yours is different in a very unique way." Yeah, so I think that part was good that we experienced that. The part that on a rewatch, I'm not sure what to think of it, is the part where Diego basically says, hey, we could go, um, I'm not going to say pick a fight, but like basically see if a fight gets instigated in this this bar, just, you know, to blow off some scene. And while I think that everyone would say, probably not a bad idea if some racist people are fighting you to fight back obviously i think the question is more like interesting choice to it's like why this resolution on this conversation right why i don't know It, it, it reminds me because it's my point of reference it reminds me of some things in riverdale where i'm like you're trying to broach this really important topic, but the way you're going about it is interesting. And I, it's like, I haven't decided whether or not it's like 
you know, like quote unquote right or wrong. But I also feel like it's like, I'm not really qualified to make that <laughs> decision, right? As a white woman, I don't really know. Um, but I, I do think it was interesting just because I feel like it's the kind of thing where it's like, I could see how some people could use this scene. I mean, I don't really know. I don't think people are realistically watching this, but I think the th the idea would be you don't want this scene to be used as like, look, they're going into a well, bar to instigate a fight, right? I think this is also part of my big part problem with Allison's storyline as a whole is I do think there are some times where the show is reinforcing stereotypes. Yes. Of like, and again, I will say this as a white Hispanic woman, like – I don't, I have not lived that experience, but there are people that will say, oh, look, here's an angry black woman going into this right. bar trying to do something. And also, uh, um, you know, Latino men are also seen as people who have hot tempers. And this is already part of Diego's character. And then, and, yeah. you know, to see that it's like, it, like amplified in this way is not great <laughs> yeah like, it was just like oh you're having this conversation oh that's the choice you made yeah it's i don't know it, it it seemed like a surprising move but i don't know yeah i don't know i again I, I don't really feel qualified to like make any kind of decisions on it but i just feel like it was something i noticed on a rewatch that i didn't notice on the first that i would love for people who have more experience in these demographics to tell us like what they thought of these scenes. Because I mean, we've mentioned, I think almost universally, everyone has not been a fan of the way the Allison plot has been handled, whether or not it's because of like continuity or because they feel like they've sort of defamed the character in a certain way or made the character at least not act or act out of character, I should say. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about it, but I definitely think it was an important scene and they didn't want to skirt over. Um, but I think the other thing that's a good takeaway here that is something I want to track for the next couple episodes is how is the Diego and Allison relationship changed by this, most importantly, this conversation? Well, we see prior to this conversation in the uh, confrontation in the bathroom, Allison's like going real hard after Sloan and Luther's like, hey, Call, like step it back a bit and Diego's just like like let her do her thing like I think there is an understanding of anger mm -hmm. in in this relationship that um yeah would be interesting you know to see with this lens as we continue rewatching the episodes well and even in the car Diego says like basically and this is kind of also weird he's like yeah you're the fun Allison now you used to be like the most nice out of all of this and it was like wait a second this is a compliment that she's now like drinking well, a lot and angry like that seems kind of odd that that's the way he's interpreting this fun but could also probably... be seen as relatable from him like right oh, I was now say... i have like something that we have in common yeah it seems more like that he's just sort of connecting with her now maybe because i think diego probably has a lot of anger that he is not fully able to express yeah. Um, I mean, notably, we we don't talk about it much anymore, but Diego suffered a pretty major loss back in season one. Yeah. He doesn't talk. About, I mean, like it's it it's around a little bit in season two, but it doesn't come up at, like post Lila really much that much. Yeah. At all. So now, other thing. Oh, wait, never mind. I, I was going to answer it myself. I was going to say, why are we so much more annoyed with the Luther Sloan stuff and not the Diego Lila stuff from season two? But I think it's because they had months together at least. So at least it feels a little 
longer. Yeah, there's that. a lot of time in the asylum together. Yes. Yeah. Well, I didn't see any emblems, nor do I have any, um, like, memorable song moments. Did you see or hear anything of note? Yeah. So the main song moment I liked is the use of House of the Rising Sun for the Highland flashbacks. It's not a dance sequence, but they have, they use that. And then they use a different version of the song when he is showing the same scene uh, with him uh, destroying all their mothers to Victor. They play that song again. Um, that's probably my most notable song moment. There were other songs in the background, but I liked that one the best. And then the emblem thing, I need to, I need to go back and pause it again. I tried to look at it this time, but there's definitely something about the shape of the way that Alfonso and Jamie's bodies are positioned. Oh. But I to be something but I can't figure it out yet so I, I need to go back and look at it again and see is it is it the scars on their face is it the blood like I I'll look at it again but I'm, I'm sure that just because every other episode so far has had a sparrow and an umbrella I, I bet there's something there I'm gonna try to figure it out all right you're on the case you're on the okay. case um just one more point of feedback from Todd the librarian he uh Mentioned, I wish the plot wasn't built on people not telling other people things. Yeah. Five telling them about the briefcase, Allison lying about the sparrows for no good reason, or people not listening to other people, Diego blowing off Klaus about the basement phenomenon. Uh, like, it's just really not great sometimes. And I would agree. It's just okay. like a simple fix sometimes. Yes. I agree about that. I think that at this point in time, having that been the main crux of the plot for the last three seasons, I'm kind of been like, that's that's their shit. Right. Their shit is, man, if you just paused and communicated a little bit, things wouldn't be so bad. And it's funny that I like this, whereas I, I really hate, like, I hate movies like um, The Hangover or like super bad comes to mind. Sorry for mm. hating on these popular movies, but it's the like, hey, hey guys, can you just if you just stop for one second and think, this, things would stop getting worse. But you just keep making them worse and worse and worse. But I think with this one, it's not so much that things are getting worse. It's more like because of the slight miscommunication, there's like humor more. I, I think they're trying to make it more funny. Like things never, it's not like a whole season goes by where they don't tell them a plot. It's usually just more like an episode or so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think, you know, with the Umbrella Academy, as we've said before, communication is not, is not their thing. Not their thing. Yeah. Um, and I have gone back and paused this scene. Oh, and, okay. Um, I reporting you, live. Ready reporting to go. Live, the, there is a sparrow emblem and a umbrella emblem. They're very faint and hard to see, but they're in the carpet on the floor, one on either side of Jamie and Alfonso. So nice. they are in that shot. Um, also, having paused this, I know this was something, I can't remember if we talked about it last time or if I talked to a, about it with a friend. Uh but the use of zippers on these jumpsuits is so oh, yeah. interesting. Did we talk yeah. about this? Like yeah. Alfonso has three zippers going down like yep. uh, vertically. And then Jamie's like wrap around this. Why would you ever have zippers that way? Like, that's so weird. <laughs> it, it's not practical at all. How would they put on? I'm assuming I've got to assume that some of these are fake zippers when they were putting the actual costumes on. Oh, yeah. I don't know how this like Alfonso's zippers go all the way down his arms. 
I just fun. always think like, uh, how do you go to the bathroom? <laughs> That's my, yeah. I'm like, jumpsuits are not work? practical. Yeah. No, no, <sighs> thank you. No, thank you. Well, uh, anything else that you wanted to bring up for this one? Nothing else that I can think about. I feel like we broke it down a lot. I, I really do feel like episodes three and four are a lot of moving the plot, kind of figuring out what's going on, what is going to be the big bad apocalypse that we're fighting at the end. The characters are now sort of all getting on the same page about like what the situation is. Google Blitz, it's happening. Got to figure it out. And uh, so at least we're kind of knocking that out pretty early. And now we've got, you know, another six episodes to <laughs> figure out how to deal with that problem. Yeah. I mean, I know it's going to happen. I was going to be like, we'll see what we'll find out. But I know already. I still think my ranking is is that episode two is the best, then episode one, and then three and four are kind of tied at this point. I think three and four is serving the same purpose of moving, giving us more yeah. information, moving things along, and getting to the real meaty parts later type of thing. Agreed. Well, we will be with you again twice a week through the end of July as we finish out episodes uh, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. And then we will have a feedback show at the end of all of this. So if you would like to send us feedback, you can do so very easily by joining the Posha Recaps Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Posha Recaps. You get access to the Discord at any level, and you can um, talk to us there, talk to the rest of the patron community about the show as well would love to hear from you or you can reach out directly to us or email uh super at poshorecaps.com mary what else you got going on well we are wrapping up season six of riverdale over on kowski cast that is cal with k myself and kirsten mckinnis so you can check that up it has been getting wild you know the show may be absurd but i feel like we're doing some of our best podcasting so definitely check that out um you can also follow me everywhere at frail mary to check out any other side podcasts i might be on a while back i was on uh shit 90s podcast for covering boy meets world so if you're interested in that definitely go back and check that episode out and um big brother 24 Four twenty-four yeah. <laughs> is uh, just around the corner. Actually, I think it's starting like tomorrow. Oh, don't or anyway. today. I think. Today, oh no, it's yeah. today. Yeah. Oh, no. Anyway, Big Brother twenty-four. <laughs> it's happening, and I'm sure that I will be covering some portion of it at some point. So I'm just living in denial at the moment <laughs> about that. Well, I hope it's a good Big Brother season. You know how they can go. Last season was pretty good. Um, What do I have going on? Well, I'm here with you on Umbrella Academy coverage. I've got some other shows coming up where you can find me. Um, Talking about them is either in the aforementioned Discord or on Twitter at MarsBars, M-A-R-Z-B-A-R-S. And I also uh, visit our our friends Jess and Sarah over at Shit 90 Shows Taught Us and talk about Boy Meets World. So if you're into Boy Meets World, if you're into Dawson's Creek, if you're into 90s in general, that is the place to go. We'd love for you to visit our friends over there. Um, And then, yeah, that's pretty much it. Summering. I'm summering, trying to survive the heat um, and not melt like that one time that happened on the show. Anyhow, <laughs> I think that's it for now. We'll talk to you later.
I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply